When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Get the most out of weekly sales and receive personalized coupons toward your favorite items, all while earning one fuel point for every dollar spent. Because shopping at Kroger, whether in-store or online, is easy. And saving money is even easier with the Kroger app. So get the most value out of every trip, every time. Download the Kroger app now to save big. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. This is Life Admin Life Hacks, a podcast that gives you techniques, tips, and tools to tackle your life admin more efficiently, to save your time, your money, and improve your household harmony. I'm Dinova Roberts, an operations manager with two children who definitely need help setting boundaries on screen time. And I'm Mia Northrop, a researcher and writer. And the other day, my eight-year-old emailed me from her iPad, and I had no idea she even knew how to do that. This app will clarify the options you have to manage how your kids use their screens. Hello, and welcome to Life Admin Life Hacks. There are all kinds of devices in our homes. Tablets, smartphones, laptops, TVs, gaming consoles, and even more. And even if you're digitally savvy, it can feel almost impossible to know how to keep your kids safe online. At the moment in Australia, 67% of primary school kids and 36% of preschoolers have their own mobile screen-based device. And 43% of kids regularly use screen-based devices at bedtime. And on average, kids spend 32 hours a week on screens at home. And these are stats from the Royal Children's Hospital. We wanted to cover this episode, not necessarily because we want to talk about, you know, parenting strategies and how to balance screen time in your household with other activities. We really wanted to focus on how you can ensure that the devices that your kids are using aren't going to lead them into gross areas of the internet uh, and they're not, you know, using it inappropriately, that you are confident in sort of some, some parameters around the way that they're using it. There are lots of great guidelines out, out there. So the Australian Parenting Council, they have recommendations for how much screen time appropriate for Australian kids. I actually recommend that under two years old have zero screen time. That's including TV, everything, DVDs, computers, two to five years, less than one hour per day, and five to 17 years, less than two hours per day. And when Dinah and I read those stats, what did you say, Dinah? That's completely unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) So if you need, you know, some ideas about strategies to to curb the use, I would recommend that you go to the Raising Children website or the eSafety Commissioner website or the Royal Children's Hospital website. Today, we're really going to focus on what you actually need to do on those devices to uh, keep them safe. And, And some of those things will also help you with the time limits. Your kids, what kinds of devices are they using? Uh, so we have now got a phone for the oldest one. Um, then we have iPads, computers, and we also have an Xbox gaming console. And in addition to that, we're also using Netflix on our TV. And the kids also access YouTube through the TV. Mm. What about you, me? Yeah, my kids both have hand-me-down iPads from grandparents. They're really old models of iPads, iPad 2. Uh, so on those, they play games They have access to Netflix and YouTube Kids and apparently somehow my daughter has worked out how to message me and email people 
So what I thought were pretty locked down iPads, I had to sort of revisit. My youngest child actually airdropped me something from his iPad to my Mac. And I was like, hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. When my daughter did email me, she emailed me a photo of her brother's bottom. Somewhat to say. <laughs> this is exactly where you're like, oh, far out. Like, I'm glad you sent it to me. And I said, how did you know what my email address was? And she said, I just started typing and the suggestive, you know, the predictive text came up and offered her a whole range of emails that somehow were in a contact list that I don't know how was on her iPad because she has her own iPad, you know, Apple ID. Yep. So this took some investigation. Definitely. And I think it's one of those things that evolves quite quickly because I think that not only um, does technology evolve, but all of a sudden you get one more device into the house and the kids, you know, really figure out how to use it and they sometimes can just leave you a bit behind. That certainly happened to us with the Xbox. When the kids were little, how did you, before they, you know, could, <laughs> could hack passwords and airdrop you things, how did you decide what was going to be safe for them? How did you restrict what they were using? I think when they're smaller, it's really about restricting the access of what apps they're allowed to use. And I think you're much more watching what they're doing with the devices. And I I often use that website, Common Sense Media, to really research various apps to decide whether those were things that were actually going to be useful and valuable and age appropriate for them. And I still use that quite a lot, even for movies and other things, just to really understand whether they should be watching it. Do you use that website too, Mia? Yeah, it's a fantastic resource because it covers not just digital stuff, it covers books and music and games and, as you said, movies. And there's usually reviews from someone from Common Sense Media, but then there's actual comments from parents from all over the world. And actually kids can also put in their five cents worth about the suitability of a, an app or a, you know a piece of media. So they'll talk about what age level is appropriate. I talk about if there's violence or sexy stuff or good themes or good values and that kind of thing. So that's what I've used to decide if an app is suitable to download for the kids to use. But as they've got older, really, I've had to start to move to think about the parental controls um, within the devices. That's really been the next step for us. Um, And interestingly, the, the thing that's happened most recently for people who use Apple devices is that for people who've got more recent devices, the latest version of iOS gives you this screen time functionality, um, which is really quite powerful and amazing. I highly recommend researching um, how to set that up. The biggest tip that I've got for people who are looking at um, using that screen time is to make sure that each of your children do have their own Apple ID because often um, when you do do the hand-me-down iPads, Kids are using an iPad with your own Apple ID in there and that creates all sorts of complexity Um, and certainly did for us because my son was using an iPad that had my Apple ID on it and he'd been using it for a number of years and so all the progress on the games that he'd been using is saved under that Apple ID and so it makes it really difficult to control that device. Absolutely. So screen time is incredible because it allows you to look at the other Apple IDs associated in your family and set restrictions on the amount of usage they can have on the device itself, but then also at the app level, 
it allows you to control the usage. Yeah, not only does it allow you to control the usage, but it allows you to control what apps that they can have access to. So you can even shut down access to Safari if you don't want them just surfing the web, which might be appropriate, particularly for younger children, if you only want them to use specific apps that you've downloaded onto the to the iPad then you can really just shut it down from from them being able to use anything else. And you can also not only just shut down the total amount of usage, you can shut down when they can access the device. So making really strict bedtimes, for example, that you can't use it after a certain time at night. And for me, what's been really useful is can't use it before a certain time in the morning because mm. uh, my kids used to get up and then straight away get on a device before I'd even managed to get out of bed. So um, now I can really stop them from, you know, being incentivized to wake up early to turn on a device. Mm. The top tips are, first of all, make sure your children have their own Apple ID. And the second thing you need to do is to set up the family sharing. So those things, I won't talk about them in detail, but those are the two most important steps before you start to set up the screen time functionality within your Apple devices. So for my devices... They're so old that they can't support the current <laughs> iOS. So I was so disappointed. I was like, screen time, ha-ha. <laughs> and then it's like, no, no screen time for you. So what I had to do was go into the settings of the iPads, go into general, and you can enable restrictions. And this enables, enables you to go in and basically turn off all the apps that you do not want your kids to access. So no Safari, no FaceTime, I don't want them to be buying music or buying downloading anything through iTunes or the app stores. I don't want them to access news or podcasts. I don't want them to be able to make in-app purchases without me knowing about it. And you can also set ratings. So for the content, you can go through and say, I only want PG or I want, you know, 12 plus for the apps or, you know, you can restrict websites. Uh, you can also make sure that they don't have access to things like contacts that they can't uh, share things, they can't share their location. All of this is done through the general restrictions area. And then when you go into some of the other apps specifically, um, things like Mail or uh, Safari, you can go down and restrict within there as well. I have had a blog that I followed to do this, so I'll have a link to that in the show notes. If you're on Android devices, there are options to do similar things. So both within, there's a family link app that you can download and in addition Microsoft also have a similar sort of family sharing uh, functionality that Apple have which you can then use to um, control computers if your child is using um, a computer and potentially it's a shared family computer set them up with their own Windows profile and their own email address so that you can link that to a parent email address through a Microsoft account, which also allows you to set a whole bunch of parental controls in relation to that account. Yeah. And I guess the things to focus on the inter when you're looking at a computer, again, um, the games that they're using, you want to have some kind of restrictions around what they're allowed to download. You want to think about the browser that's on there and whatever browser you're using. And I would recommend finding something other than Chrome because it doesn't actually have very good parental controls. Um, looking at those browser settings and make sure there's some kind of safe browsing mode or that you can restrict the sort of content so they're not going to wander into porn um, or other dodgy kinds of sites. Uh, and then again, you're thinking about the email apps or whatever kind of messaging apps you have on there. Do they have access to them? If they do have access. Do you also want to have access? So you can see what kinds of messages are floating around. 
What about on the X- Xbox? So, uh, yeah, so with the Xbox, it's really using, uh, so Xbox is owned by Microsoft. So you're really then linking into the Microsoft parental controls. And again, this is one where we've fallen foul of when we originally bought the Xbox, we used my email address um, and my son was using that email address, which we thought was probably safer because we were controlling the emails that were being received. But now what that means is it's it's much more challenging to set up the parental controls because you can't transfer that account to a new account. So we've now had to set him up on a new account, which means he's lost the progress on some of his games, which wasn't particularly a happy day for him. It was very <laughs> devastating. And he had to set up a new gamer tag. So that was also frustrating for him. But now that we've done it, it's sort of, you know, starting afresh. Um, and then you use, you can basically set all of those parental controls from within uh, a Microsoft family account. And so the other thing to think about is the streaming, the TV and movie streaming sites. So Netflix, Stan, whatever you've got going on, Big Pond Movies, all of those sites have some kind of kids area, but they can also set up individual profiles and you can set those profiles to be on a kid setting and you can actually nominate whether you want them to see G or PG or what setting of content. So that's crucial. One of the things that's really important with all of this is making sure that your kids don't have access to your passwords so certainly until quite recently, our kids knew what the passcode was to get into our phones and into the computer, into the family, sort of my account within the computer. And as I've been working on these parental controls and really locking things down, it's made me realise that if I give them access to those passwords, they can easily just log into my phone or my computer and change the settings at will. And as they get older, they get much more savvy. And I noticed the other day when I picked up my son's iPad and I was changing some of the screen time settings that he had tried 17 times to enter the password for screen time. So he has been trying to figure it out based on what he knows my passwords are because he wanted more minutes. Both my husband and I have changed the passwords for our phones so that they can't actually get into our phones to change the settings. And I think as they get older and older, that becomes more and more of an issue. Yeah, like my kids both learn the password to my phone. And up until now, like my son has is only in prep and he's only just starting to learn how to read. But now he's really incentivized to read because he can work out with what these different apps are. And, and my daughter, you know, she used to like to log in to my phone and send messages to my husband or look at photos. But now I also realize that she's scrolling back through messages to people on, you know, random communications I'm having. It's not always appropriate for her to be reading that stuff. And it's not always appropriate, as I've found, for her to be taking photos because sometimes her choice of photo subjects isn't the greatest in terms of, yeah, you know, post-bath hilarity and hijinks. So, yes, I have realised that I'm going to have to change my password probably on a quite a regular basis, which I'm a bit, you know, there's so many passwords to remember. And unfortunately, that is one that LastPass and Keeper cannot remember for you, but it is worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. And one of the other things, um, we probably didn't talk about it earlier, but was it was really useful for us was when you add a new device into your house to really think about having a really sit down conversation with your child around what's the, the rules of how that device is going to be used. And in fact, my daughter 
Um, she got her first phone uh, about six months ago and we actually made her sign a contract and it sounds yeah. a bit ridiculous, but really I was quite concerned about this big step up in her access uh, to this device. And my husband and I talked about it a lot about whether we thought her she was old enough. So what we really did was set some really clear criteria. For example, we do not allow her to take her phone into her bedroom and we and basically set the really clear rules that if you breach these rules, then the phone gets taken away. And that's really, really held us in good stead in terms of controlling her with um, with that device. We have had to have the conversation over and over again about why we have limits on screen time. We've talked a bit about, you know, the health aspects of it and brain development aspects of it. They really don't care about their brain development. And, and it's tricky. It's tricky for them to say that they have limits. And I think what's also tricky is that they feel like we don't place limits on ourselves. So it really does, you know, there's some role modelling that also has to happen. If you're on your phone and your device is all the live long day, it's really hard to enforce boundaries for the kids. Diana, I liked that macro thing that you did with the Wi-Fi controls, so not even at a device level but at like an internet level in your house. Yeah, so I think that this is because I'm less probably worried about the screen time, although that's an issue, but I do think that that's something to sort of have a conversation and, you know, that's a sort of parenting in my view. Mm -hmm. The real issue for me is making sure that they're not um, accessing inappropriate content and so I had originally um, used within my the router that Telstra had provided for my internet connection, they did have some inbuilt parental controls and so I had been experimenting using those. But they were really rubbish. They, they For example, they were blocking me out of Google Drive, which was really frustrating. So I had spoken to an expert and she had recommended just, you know, sort of ditching the Telstra modem and, and buying another one. Um, in particular, she mentioned that Netgear have some really good options. When I went and researched a bit further, now you can actually just buy an additional gadget that you connect to your Wi-Fi network that really does the same job without having to completely buy a whole new device. So mm. I have bought a Circle, which is actually um, distributed by Disney, and it's just been an amazing revolution in our house in that it um, allows us to set parental controls but it also allows me to see where the kids have been so I can actually see their history of where they've been on the internet. And it also allows me to connect a number of devices to the same profile. So it allows me to not so much restrict the amount of screen time, but it allows me to restrict the amount of Wi-Fi time that they get Mm. across all of their devices because what I was finding with the screen time is that my son would exhaust his minutes on the iPad, then move to the Xbox, and then when those were exhausted, move to the TV. Mm -hmm. So now I'm allowed, you know, I can really group all those devices under his profile and uh, give him a Wi-Fi limit across all of those devices. So it's sort of another limit. And the other great thing about it is it allows me to control it remotely So I can actually be at work and I can give them more minutes or I can even uh, turn the whole Wi-Fi off for them (laughs) 
if I want them to be doing homework and they're not, you know, and I'm concerned that they're not doing it, I can basically press pause and none of their devices can access Wi-Fi. So, oh, the power, like big Diana. brother. <laughs> well, it's also great even for dinner time. If I really want them to actually stop, I just don't even have to have the conversation. I just press pause and all <laughs> of the Wi-Fi is like a magic wand and they all come rushing to dinner. That's fantastic. And didn't you for a while change your wife? This is before you got Circle. You used to change the Wi-Fi password and only when they had completed certain chores did you provide or yeah, did you change the password heard, every day? I've heard I have tried that and I've heard lots of people doing that. I've also heard of people taking the cable, <laughs> like if they go to work during Gosh. the school holidays, actually taking the the cable that connects the modem to the you know, internet and taking it with them because they're concerned about their kids spending all day on devices. So I do think that some of these more softer controls that allow you to control the minutes are really important or they just make it easier. I do think, mm. though, that kids can figure out how to get around them. So I think you just always have to be, you know, continuously learning and speaking to other people about what they're doing so that you can sort of stay one step ahead of our kids who are digital natives. All right, Diana, so there's a few things there that we're going to link out to in show notes so people can follow step by step through some of these instructions. And I think it's been a while. Do you have a life admin high of the week? Oh, yes, I do actually have a really great one. Uh, So our last episode was about meal planning, which is something that we've been doing in our family for a long time. But I actually came home the other night a little bit late uh, and my daughter had actually looked at the meal planner on the fridge and had actually cooked the dinner based on what was on the meal planner without being asked. And I said to her, what are you doing? She said, I was hungry, so I thought I'd cook dinner. I thought, wow, gee, this meal planner that is cooking. (laughs) Fantastic. And what about you, Mia? Do you have one? So a life had been high, we're having a restructure at work and it's one of those restructures where a whole lot of people, including me, have to reapply for their roles. Or it's I was on like a contract and they've churned it into a like a continuing position. So it's a new job description. Well, actually, I don't even have a job description. Now there is a job description and I'm going to have to apply for my role. And I'm so thankful that I went through that CV revision exercise earlier in the year and have all these versions of my CV ready to go. So the whole thing should be pretty seamless. And I oh, this could be a really sort of stressful time, but I feel quite calm about it because I'm all set and ready to ready to reapply. Round that's a win. Yes. How about a low? Has anything been annoying task wise? Oh I did have one thing actually. Um I've got a group of friends who seem to jump about from channel to channel so what I mean like they send an email and then there's also a whatsapp group and then there's text messages and I was trying to find out the details of a plan we'd made and I could not find it because I couldn't remember whether it was in the email trail or in the whatsapp group or in the iMessage text group it was so annoying and I just think oh why can't we just stay with one channel of communication I face a little bit of that uh, in my netball team manager role and whenever I get something sent to me that's not in the WhatsApp group, which is our sort of official comms, I just respond, thanks, I shall put this in the WhatsApp group and follow up there. Just to remind them we're not, you know, 
get off this email trail. Let's not start another trail. Let's just go back to what we've established. Yeah, it's very frustrating. How about a power tool, book review? What have you been, tech review? I know you've been listening to a lot of podcasts. I have, and actually just relevant to the episode we've just talked about, I listened to a great podcast episode on the 10% Happier podcast about digital minimalism. Um, So there's a really interesting guy, Cal Newport. He's written a number of Uh, books around deep work, but he's also uh, written a book around taking like a digital detox. And I really found that really interesting, including some tips around uh, how we should be around our, our children in relation to our devices. So I highly recommend listening to that episode. I really love that podcast. Anyway, how should we be? Happier. How should we be about that around our children? Well, it's not about, on our devices. Yeah, we shouldn't be on our devices. So really that idea of thinking about when you walk in the house, having a place to put your phone and just actually not using it when you're having family time, which mm-hmm. I think it's a trap that's very easy to fall into, but I'm really trying to change my habits. Great. And you, Mia, what's something that you, a power tool or a book? Yeah, I just read a book called When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing by Daniel Pink. And it's touched on some things we've we've read before from different productivity gurus and people like Cal Newport, that idea that in during the day, you know, that morning time is for deep work, for analytical analytical thinking and concentration. The afternoon's more for creative work and broader thinking. And that you really do need hourly breaks to move your body, don't just sit there or even stay there, just move around every hour. Have a proper lunch break to rejuvenate and get that concentration going and get off your device at lunch. Taking your lunch and sitting and staring at your phone and scrolling through stuff is not a proper lunch break. You need to shift your eye gaze. You need to socialise. You need to walk, ideally you need to get out into nature. Uh, he also talks about um, beginnings and midpoints and endings and using sort of strategies of the clean slate at the beginning to mobilise new projects. That midpoint you might need to rally or refocus somehow. There's some people who kind of need to wait till crunch time to get motivated but some people need like a pit stop to refocus. I encourage you to also celebrate and acknowledge endings. Don't just, you know, move on to the next thing. Don't dismiss it or neglect to acknowledge it. Just realise that the way something ends could be the way you actually remember it. And I think this is important to think about in terms of a lot of the projects that we've set out on in the last few months as we've gone through this life admin if you're thinking about when am I going to do that thinking time, when am I going to concentrate, how am I going to get myself motivated for the beginning or through a midpoint or to the ending, and I'm thinking this especially because we're going to be doing tax soon and I've got a lot of tax admin to sort out to even think about. We're two years behind and I'm like, oh, my God. So I thought this book was very useful to, to, to think about the timing of things. Great. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. Hope you've enjoyed our app on digital security. Remember some of our top tips. Consider researching and using resources like Common Sense Media to decide what apps and um, movies and TV you'll let your kids watch. Use parental controls and profiles within devices uh, to both restrict the amount of screen time but also what your children can access. And consider using a router or another gadget adding to your existing router to control your Wi-Fi and help keep your kids safe online. 
If you'd like to join us on our Life Admin journey, please head to our Facebook page, Life Admin Life Hacks, to follow us and share your thoughts on what we're doing. And feel free to post any comments or certainly post suggestions that we might be able to use. We hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode are available at lifeadminlifehacks.com. If you're a fan, please subscribe and share the love and tell a friend or review us in your podcasting app.